I guess uh, if you don't know, you know now. I'm going to be filling in for Chad for a short little duration while he's out at home and recovering. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be going through verses uh, 1 through 7 this morning. Uh, before I begin, I'm going to give a little update on Chad if you don't know or unaware. Um, you know, he had a surgery Wednesday. Uh, they couldn't get his pain under control Wednesday night, Thursday. They kept him. He got a small blood clot in one of his legs. Uh, they kept him another night. Uh, but they did send him home yesterday on blood thinners. Uh, so he's at home with Tiffany with the kids, uh, laying in bed, recovering, still sore, very uh, in, in a lot of pain, but um, he is home. The op- doctors are optimistic about the surgery. Uh, things went well, so continue to pray for him, pray for the family. Uh, pathology reports in the next few days that things will be clear, and sure enough, he'll be back here, here preaching God's Word. Amen? So this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Um, before I begin, I want to share an illustration that uh, I heard this week while listening to another sermon online, but it, it was kind of fitting for this morning's message. Uh, there was a woman, uh, and, and married to a man. They'd been married for years, and she, she didn't sleep at night, just restless, could not sleep, worried that a burglar was going to break into her house. No matter what her husband did, no matter, uh, the measures he took, alarm systems, you know, trying to comfort her, she just, she just stayed worrisome all the time that someone was going to come in and just rob them blind. So one night they're laying in bed, and the husband hears something downstairs. So he gets up, goes downstairs, throws on a light. Lo and behold, there's a burglar standing in the middle of his living room. Now after some time, they got things sorted out, police are on the way. Husband turned and looked back at the burglar and said, "Uh, do you mind if my wife comes downstairs for a moment? She's been waiting to meet you for years. Now, I know this is a funny little illustration, but there's something to this story. A burglar can steal what we have one time. He can take that item from you once. But anxiety can steal your joy and peace for a lifetime. We've all been worried about something or a situation or circumstance. How often or how many times have we worried about something that's never really come to pass? Worry steals our peace. But imagine for a moment having a peace that surpasses all understanding. Being able to live this way daily. So again, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Philippians 4, and we're going to begin in verse 1 in God's Word. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge or implore Yodea, and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you to also help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also, and the, re- and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I pray that our ears are open, our hearts are softened for your word this morning through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Lord, uh, let us just set aside all our doubt and all our worries and just focus on you and your glory. 
uh, as we go through this message this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So again, this morning, we're going to reflect upon God's word through Paul's letter that he's written uh, to the church in Philippi. Uh, help us understand this peace and that it just surpasses all understanding. The first point this morning I want to make, if you have the back of your bulletins and want to fill in as we go along, the first point I want to make this morning is resolve conflict. Make sure as much as possible you are making peace or resolving things that hinder that peace. Let's look back at verse 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. It's evident here that Paul has a deep love and affection for this Philippian church. He knew these men and women to be spiritually mature and enduring. He had a really just solid relationship and respect for these believers in Philippi. He begins this chapter with, with gracious words, my beloved, my brethren, my crowning, my joy, uh, representative of a pastoral heart that Paul had for these people. Now, with this statement of love Paul begins with, uh, he appeals to two individuals directly uh, in this church community that seem to be in the midst of a, a conflict. So, going on to verse 2, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche, urge or implore, to live in harmony in the Lord. When you urge or implore someone, you really want them to get what you are saying. Notice he doesn't say Yodea and Syntyche, but addresses them separately yet equally. I implore Yodea and I implore Syntyche. He uses equal language to appeal to both sides without taking one. I urge you and I urge you to be in the same mind of the Lord. These women we're probably prominent members, founding members of this church in Philippi if we continue in verse 3. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, for whose, uh, whose names are in the book of life. So it's evident here that at one point they worked with Paul the Apostle during his time in Philippi perhaps even among the founding members of the church as we just previously stated. The point, though, is sometimes even the most faithful servants of God can become distracted. They can become worried. What is interesting here, though, is Paul mentions these women in his letter to the church by name, calls them out. Yodea, Syntyche, talk this through, work these things out. Now, we don't exactly know what these women were arguing about. It's not mentioned. I personally don't believe it was anything doctrinal or behavioral because Paul's clear in his other writings and letters such as Corinthians that when things are brought that are doctrinal issues or behavioral issues, he brings them to the forefront. He doesn't hold back. He calls things like he sees them, but he always goes back to scripture and how to handle things biblically or, or what the Lord has to say about these things. Simply put, I believe the argument was more likely something trivial something that got into one or both of their hearts, and they made mountains out of molehills. How many of us have ever experienced how small or dumb, insignificant uh, things can divide people? If you want a visual understanding of this, log on to social media, go on to Facebook, or Fakebook as Chad calls it. You'll, you'll, you'll see people just after one another, keyboard warriors, this digital courage, that people that just simply want to watch the world burn or, or stir the pot just 
cause trouble for the sake of causing trouble. But looking back at this, this problem that Paul is talking about in Philippi, what's the solution here? He says, I urge you, Yodea, I urge you, Syntyche, and you continue in the verse, to live in harmony in the Lord. Be of the same mind in the Lord. This is whom they had forgotten about, apparently, in their argument. The Lord. What Paul is doing here by calling them out is taking a conflict or social issue and places it on spiritual ground. In effect, he is saying, this is how you resolve the conflict. Aim for the glory of God. Again, aim for the glory of God. So again, the first point I want to make this morning, if, again, if you're writing down on the back of your bulletins, resolve conflict. Resolve conflict. The second point I want to make this morning, rejoice frequently. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. What we know about the book of Philippians is Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi while incarcerated in Rome. The remarkable thing here is that he writes about joy in the book of Philippians almost more than anywhere else in, that you'll find in his writings. When you read Philippians, you realize here's a man, he's been placed under house arrest, he's been beaten, he's been shackled, he's bruised, he's torn, he's just in despair, but he has joy. And, and when we read this, what does he have, what, what does he tapped into that we're missing or that we're not seeing here? Simply put, he hadn't lost his mind, and he hadn't just simply wandered about, but he had surrendered himself into the presence and fellowship with God. So again, looking at verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. The word rejoice is the verbal form of joy. It's actioning joy. It's acting out joy. So if you have joy, you will rejoice. To rejoice is to put joy on full display. And as I was praying over this message this week and, and working through things that I felt God put on my heart to share this morning, you know, I, I, I was thinking about who is someone that no matter what gets thrown at them, they just, they, they seem joyful or, or, or look back towards the Lord and, and, and thankful. And every time I think about someone, it came back to Chad. I mean, Chad is a rejoicing man. You know, there's a few months ago, Chad was getting ready for church. He was going to be coming in a little early. He left his house, got a few minutes down the road, and deer ran out and just smacked in the side of the truck. And Chad, everything good? Yeah, you know, truck, you know, deer hit my truck. It's dented, but praise God, I got a truck and I made it here. Then you fast forward a couple weeks ago. Chad, how's it going today? Well, the doctor told me I had cancer, but praise Jesus for another day on earth. Chad's prone to doubt. He's a sinner saved by grace like everyone else. But one thing you'll notice about Chad, he finds joy and he finds peace in God the Father. And that, that's encouraging. Encouraging that you can be around people that have that joy because being around people that just worry all the time and just doubtful all the time, that's draining. I mean, and it's toxic. But finding someone with that type of joy, that's just so lifting. It's, it's encouraging. So looking back at the text, Paul isn't telling them to have loose, general optimism you know, don't worry about anything, just be happy for the sake of being happy. No, what he's saying is rejoice in the Lord. In other words, life is tough. We, we all know life is tough, but God is good. Now, what, what is joy exactly? When the Bible speaks about joy, here's, here's a broad definition. Joy 
is the supernatural delight in God and His plan. Joy is the supernatural delight in God and His plan. It's supernatural, so you don't produce it. It comes from Him. It's a gift, and again, a supernatural delight in God and His plan. As believers or followers of Jesus Christ, think of it as a badge of ownership. God owns you, and and wear this with honor. God knows me. He knows who I am, so I can relax. Not only can you relax, but you can rejoice because you have this supernatural delight in God and submitted to His plan. Paul didn't just write about this in his letter to Philippians, to the Philippians. He practiced what he preached. And when Paul had previously, be, previously been arrested in Philippi, he was beaten with rods, he was put in the stocks, battered, and again, just rejoice, rejoice. It says he sang out. Proverbs 15, 15 on the screen, please. Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the oppressed are wretched but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. I'm going to repeat that. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. What is that feast? They're feasting on the joy. Now, going back to Philippians verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. What Paul is doing here sounds more like an order. Talking to these two of them, Hey you, rejoice in the Lord. Listen, ladies, get it together. You're my beloved. I love you, but you need to rejoice. Sounds a little odd, but it does sound like somewhat of a command. But thinking of it as a directive, it's, it's telling us joy is a choice. We choose to be joyful. Skip Heitzig is quoted as saying, Joy is a choice. It is not a feeling. It is a decision far more than it is a sensation. It is something you choose to do. Joy is a personal choice to react to life's uncertainties with faith. Joy is a choice to react to life's uncertainties with faith. So how often do we do it? Rejoice. Do we only rejoice on Sundays amongst other believers in the confines of this church? Should we only rejoice when it's convenient for us or things are perceivably going our way? We are called as followers of Jesus Christ to rejoice in the Lord always. It's not saying I am joyful because circumstances are favorable. Often they are not. It's not saying be joyful because people are good. More often than not, people will let you down. If joy comes from the recognition that God is in control of all things, and as a child of God, having faith in the finished work of His Son, Jesus Christ on the cross, His will be done, not our own. And the assurance that He will walk with us through life's trials. Verse 5, let your gentle spirit to all men, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. What Paul is saying here is be patient with people. Uh, be kind and show them a little bit of that grace that God has shown you. Maintain your good reputation through Jesus Christ. Let your reasonableness be shown to all men. And here's why. The Lord is near or the Lord is at hand. Now, I'm not going to go into detail or speculate exactly what Paul was trying to say when he said this, but if we think of it chronologically, the Lord is at hand. Well, the text tells us that you know Jesus rose from the grave and one day He is coming back. So chronologically, yeah, the Lord is at hand. Uh, but the Lord is near if you are a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ and you have God in your heart, then He's always there. He's always near. 
So we have resolve conflict, rejoice frequently, and third this morning, reject anxiety. Reject anxiety. Verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. When Paul is saying be anxious for nothing, he's not saying don't be concerned with life. He's not saying be lazy or apathetic. He's not saying don't do anything. He's saying be anxious for nothing. Anxiety is when your mind is divided between two legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. It's when your mind goes two vastly different ways, two polar opposites. It's like when James said, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I personally, I understand why we worry. I'm prone to worry myself. I mean, probably far more than others. I, I, I fail in this area. I understand why people are anxious. But as followers of Jesus Christ, listen to what our Lord has to say about this uh, in Matthew 6.25, Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you, are we- what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Other translations, one uh, cubit uh, to your stature. So, is worrying going to make you grow, long, uh, grow taller? Is worrying going to make you live longer? These are pretty powerful words Jesus gave us. He's not saying be lazy. I mean, look at the birds. They always seem to be on the move. But I believe Jesus here is making the point, have you ever seen a worried bird? Look at the birds. God takes pretty good care of them, so I think He's going to take good care of us too. So don't, be, don't let anxious thoughts or over-concern about trivial things divide your mind. Back to verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. But is a word of contrast, and here it happens to be the solution to the worry. The contrast happens to be the antidote for the worry. Don't do this, but do this. Don't be anxious in anything, but in everything, prayer and supplication. The cure for worry is is to redirect your energy, your thoughts, replacing it with something. Another term the Bible uses for this is casting, such as in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Casting all of your care upon Him, for He cares for you. How do we do this? Again, on the back of your bulletins, you want to fill this in while we go along. The text tells us, and it's sitting right here, be anxious in nothing but in everything, one, prayer, Supplication, thanksgiving, requests. Again, prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and requests. Prayer is often the general word used uh, to mean worship. So if you're 
worried, pray. Worship God. Focus on God. Don't focus, f- focus on the worry. Focus on God. Supplication means strong, please, strong cli- cries. Heartfelt prayer. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving means even when life is hard or you're going through trials, thank God for those trials. You know, this was shared with us years ago. I shared a few months ago. Faith is like a muscle. It has to be exercised. In prayer, you are talking to God. Be thankful someone's on the other end listening. Request are humble appeals to God. And remember, these are prayer requests, not prayer demands. It is God's will be done, not our own. So, as I invite the band back on stage to close us in worship and, and summarize uh, God's word this morning through Paul. One, resolve conflict. Rejoice frequently and reject anxiety. Resolve conflict. Rejoice frequently and reject anxiety. Be anxious in nothing. Be prayerful in everything and be thankful for anything. Be anxious in nothing. Be prayerful in everything and be anxious and be thankful for anything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Amen? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we again, we thank you for your such encouraging words this morning uh, through Paul's letter to the Philippians. Lord, I just... When we go through life and these trials and these struggles, let us be thankful that you are there with us and carrying us and carrying that burden, carrying that load. Uh, I ask for continued prayers from this congregation to continue lifting our pastor up and that your healing mercies be laid upon him. Uh, Lord, I am just so thankful for this, this body of believers and having a place to come on a Sunday morning and, and fellowship and worship and glorify your name. And it is my prayer, and I believe that of many others in this church, that if anybody doesn't know you, that they would soften their hearts, repent of their sins, and follow your Son, Jesus Christ, and have faith in the work He, he finished on the cross. And it's this and many things I'm just thankful for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.